mending the broken, it'll be all right. Right now, oh, right now, I just can't. It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down. What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now?
Good morning, church. I'm glad to be with you once again to worship this morning. As we begin our, our time of worship, we're going to sing a song called Your Love Awakens Me. And I did not choose this one to, to be funny and make a joke that you might be asleep and in need of physical awakening. But I chose it that we might ask God this morning to awaken us in our spirit and in our mind, that we might worship him in spirit and in truth this morning. So I invite you at this time to stand with us together as we invite God to awaken us this morning. Yeah. 
Lord, would you awaken us this morning? Would you let us worship you in spirit and truth? At this time, we have a message from our um, missions ministry. If you would be seated and turn your attentions to the screen, please. Hello, church family. I'm Tim Weaver, the Go Ministry Director, also responsible for India and Nepal. Many of you probably know about the horrific impact COVID has been having for those two countries. Uh, as of today, total of 45,000 deaths are averaging every day. As we look in scripture, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, we see that the, uh, the Lord's heart is that no one should perish. So we have an opportunity as COVID is so catastrophic, it is shutting down the healthcare system, shortage of oxygen bottles, uh, the food supply has been disrupted. Uh, we have an opportunity as a body to come together and to give a few funds uh, to help provide food. And we're gonna do that through our relationship with the local church. As they hand out food, there'll be an opportunity to pray for them and also to share the gospel. And we'll do that through our missionaries. And at the very end of this uh, short clip, you'll see the way to do that. So now you're gonna hear from our missionaries on how that'll actually be done. Thank you. Hello, Cypress Bible Church. I'm John. And I'm Michelle. And we are in lockdown right now in South Asia. You may have seen stories in the news about the COVID crisis here. In these countries where most of the population struggles to earn daily wages to feed their families, lockdown means they have no income and there's widespread suffering as families go without food. As we walk alongside the leaders and believers here in South Asia, we are continually amazed and encouraged by their steadfast love and obedience that they show to the Lord Jesus Christ knowing that whatever circumstances that they go through is for his purpose and their good. In Galatians 6, 2, Paul tells us this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What law of Christ is he talking about? The law of love. His command to love one another means that we bear one another's burdens. Our brothers and sisters here in South Asia have a burden that we are called to share. The burden to share the love of God and the truth of the gospel with their neighbors in need by providing food in their communities. We're collecting funds for an outreach ministry called One Roti, One Neighbor. Mm -hmm. Roti is bread, and the idea is that we share our bread with our neighbors in need. Believers here will assemble food bags, invite their neighbors to come and receive aid, and will engage them in prayer, gospel, and follow-up discipleship whenever possible. They've counted the cost and they're willing to embrace this opportunity to share love and truth with many who have maybe never heard the name of Jesus before. Mm -hmm. Will you consider responding to this request, demonstrating the love of Christ and bearing one another's burdens? Well, greetings again, Cyrus Bible Church. Uh, I'm Tony Svensson, the Go Pastor. And so this is a, an amazing opportunity we have to partner with our global workers in South Asia. Uh, the, the Go Long team is committed to $5,000, and they'll match up to that. And so our goal is hopefully to, to double that. Uh, there's a lot of ways in the world that you can give, and I think this is a strategic opportunity for us uh, to partner with them in gospel work. And so as you saw on the screen, when you go to the push pay, if you put pick uh, India, Nepal, that, that'll go directly to uh, that project. Uh, I've got a lot of, lot of other opportunities coming up. Uh, the kids programming continues. 
Uh, if you've not registered your children for the kids' programming, you can pick up one of the flyers out on the little stands, uh, and it gives you dates and times and, and how you can register for that. Uh, in coordination with that, the GO ministry is partnering with them to do two missionary projects. Uh, one of those is going to be to partner with our missionaries, uh, the Simpsons, in South Africa. And our goal would be to purchase them a van, or at least help them towards that goal. And then the other thing is we're going to do a food drive again with Cypress Assistance Ministries. And so we've got the trailer out here on the side, and our goal will be to fill the trailer. It takes about 270 crates uh, to fill that trailer with food. And so you'll be receiving some information about the, the types of food that Cypress Assistance Ministry needs. And so our goal, our challenge to you would be, could you fill a crate that as a church we could fill that trailer with food for Cypress Assistance Ministries? Uh, we're going to be collecting that on Sunday mornings uh, up to 1230, and then on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 to 3 p.m. So I challenge us as a church to fill that trailer and partner uh, with this kids' summer programming to, to get our kids involved in, in the work of missions. Uh, this next Saturday is Second Saturday, so we've got an opportunity as a church to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. Uh, we've got several opportunities for you to serve. Uh, Andover Apartment Complex, where you've invited Hip Hop Hope uh, to come back out so you can uh, take your rapping skills and put them to use. Okay, maybe we'll just let them do the rapping, uh, but we need you to come help us serve uh, and several other opportunities. So please uh, come out and be a part of Second Saturday. Uh, show up at 10 o'clock at the chapel and you serve till noon. Uh, so it's only a couple hours. Uh, the other thing we've got going on is we've been doing an ongoing series of gospel conversations trainings. So it's an opportunity for you just to learn simple biblical ways that you can be proclaimers of the gospel in your areas of influence. Uh, you may not be an evangelist, but we as a church want to equip you for that work to make sure that you can share a simple gospel message with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers. Uh, so this is an opportunity for you to come and be trained for that. Uh, so this Saturday, starting at 9 o'clock, uh, again, we'll meet in the, in the chapel, and you can tr get trained on how you can share the gospel. Uh, we'll provide lunch, and that'll end at 2 o'clock. So we invite you to come uh, be a part of that. I uh, also wanted to remind you, as, a, as, a, as the GO pastor, the GO ministry is uh, separate funding. It doesn't go... Uh, the general fund doesn't go to any of the missions work, so it's a separate funding. So we encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, we're a little down for the year, uh, but we're hoping now that COVID is ending and things are getting back to normal, uh, we just wanted to remind you that missions giving is a separate uh, fund. So we encourage you to be a part of that giving uh, as we seek to go in life-changing mission. Uh, so let's continue to worship our Lord this morning. Thank you. As we continue, we're going to sing a few songs about holiness this morning. And I wanted to take a second um, to ask you where you are, uh, not, not to speak to me, but to say, what, what does it mean to you that God is holy? Just where you are, just say it now. It might be his power. He is, his power is immense. It might be his authority. We know that the word holy means set apart, right? It means something that is, has a special place and a special purpose and is something that is precious. Um, but as I was thinking about this this week, there's one way 
that God is not so set apart from us, and that is relationally. He is close to us. This God who is all-powerful and has all authority and has all wisdom and is not even has created our very universe. He's relationally not far apart. He is close to us. Jesus came to earth to be close to us, to be like us, to be our way, to do what we could never do. The Holy Spirit working in our lives comes close to us, to minister to us, to guide us, to help us to grow. Um, and so as we worship the Holy God this morning, let's do it with boldness. Let's do it with confidence that the powerful, matchless God wants to be close to you this morning. So I invite you at this time to stand as we sing these songs together.
continue our series through 1 Corinthians, Corrected, and we're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 40. I'm going to go ahead and read that now. What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one of you has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, and an interpretation. Everything is to be done for the building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, there is only to be two, or at the most three each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let that person keep silent in the church and speak to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should evaluate. But if someone has been revealed to another person sitting there, the, per- the first prophet should be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. And the prophet's spirit are subject to the prophets, since God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should be silent in the church, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to submit themselves, as the law also says. If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home since it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church? Or did the words of God ordinate from you, or did it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should recognize that what I write to you is the Lord's command. If anyone ignores this, he will be ignored. So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything is to be done decent and in order. 
Uh, Father, we come to you this morning and we pray that your word would penetrate our hearts, our minds, our souls, and that we would be obedient to it, Lord. Transform our hearts and minds to align with your perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. When we think of the scriptures, uh, a lot of times we would love for God to give us some details. Uh, But it's more like a a blueprint. When you think of a a builder, he has a blueprint, and you have all these contractors that come in, and they're each gifted in different ways. And, And the blueprint will help all of them keep aligned so that the structure and everything flows right. And if they ignore the blueprints... Uh, you, you'll get contractors that get, will get really upset and or they'll do things that will disrupt the flow of the, of the building. And so when we look at scriptures, it's a, it's a lot like a blueprint in that it gives us kind of an overview of how things should be. But some of the details, God, God gives us some grace and he gives us an opportunity to uh, do them in different ways. Uh, but we can't ignore that which is said to us. And so this passage gives us some details uh, of the things that we do need to pay attention to. And there are three things that govern this passage. One, it says everything is to be done for edification, for the building up of the saints. Second, there should be limitation on all speech in the assembly. And third, nothing should be done that is shameful. Now, this is a first century church, and so the context change, changes a little bit uh, because when we think of the, the worship gathering, we tend to, we tend to think of this service. Uh, but I think in, the, in this context, it would extend to every time we gather for the purpose of worship, whether that's in the worship service or whether that's in a small group or a home group. And, and so we need to make sure that all of these criteria apply to every time we gather to worship, to study God's word, to pray, to make sure that we're doing things for the building up, to make sure that there are limitations on our speak, speech and that we're doing nothing that is shameful. Uh, we are the body of Christ, and so when we come together, we, we recognize that God has and desires order when we gather. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says that now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Uh, The book of Hebrews tells us that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day draw near. And so we are are supposed to always gather together. The purpose uh, of our identity in Christ is to be a community of saints and we cannot forsake the com- coming of ourselves together. Uh, there, there's meaning in that. There's purpose in that. And so we, can't, we cannot neglect that part of our spiritual walk with the Lord. It's very important. But when we do gather, God gives us some outlines that we need to pay attention to. So 1 Corinthians, the, the first passage here, it says, uh, What then, brothers and sisters... Uh, and what he's basically saying, based on the, on the previous passages, what do, what do we do with this? Literally, what do we do? And he says, whenever we gather together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Uh, but everything is to be done for building up. Everything. 
That means we need to evaluate everything that we do from beginning to end to make sure that these three criteria are being met. Is it lifting up? Is it building us up? And so we've spent a lot of time and energy as a, as a staff uh, just evaluating when, when, we, when we worship, is everything being done to build up? Whether it's the, the singing or the, the preaching or when we gather in our small groups, are people being built up? Are they being encouraged? Are they stirring one another up? Uh, are they coming together to fulfill the mission that God has for his church? And that's, that's very, very important for us. The, the Corinthians had a lot of customs uh, and, and background, some baggage that they were bringing into the worship service. And, and it was being a, a hindrance. And so Paul is helping them to come in line with God's perfect word, with his will. <clears throat> Many years ago, uh, when, when Lisa and I began to explore missions, we took a kind of an exploratory trip to Germany. And we heard a, a story of a, of a pastor in a German church uh, he was brand new to the church, and so they had their liturgy, and he was going through it. And uh, the church, every Sunday, recited the Apostles' Creed, and he had no problem with this. And so at that time of the service, he said, let's, uh, let's, let's go over the Apostles' Creed. And so the congregation stood up, and everybody turned around and faced the back wall. And the pastor was puzzled. What, what is going on here? And uh, so he asked after the, after the service, why did everybody turn around during the Apostles' Creed? And a couple of the members said, well, this is what we've always done. And so the pastor afterwards, he went and did some research, and he's, he was really puzzled by this. And he found out that years earlier, that the church had literally written the Apostles' Creed on the back wall. And so the congregation would turn around, and they would read the Apostles' Creed. And then they would turn around and continue on in the service. The only problem is that Apostles' Creed had been painted over decades earlier. And nobody knew why they turned around any longer. But it was their tradition. And by golly, they were going to do it. And so the pastor said, you don't have to turn around anymore. And uh, some of the leaders of the church said, well, pastor, maybe you're not called to be pastor here anymore. Those are, those are some of the challenges that sometimes we face as leadership because where we put priorities and where we put value in things that are just, they're really meaningless. That There was a purpose in originally why they did it, and there's nothing wrong with reciting a creed. There was nothing wrong with writing it on the back wall. But we have to evaluate why do we do what we do? Is it meaningful? Is it building us up? Or is it just tradition that tears down and, and ultimately gets in the way? Paul warns us of this kind of tradition that can get in the way. And, and the Corinthians had tradition. They put a, a heavy emphasis, particularly, uh, I think, over the past several weeks, you've heard us talk about tongues quite a bit. And, and for a Bible church, sometimes that can be an, an uncomfortable topic, speaking in tongues. Um, but we see in 1 Corinthians 14, 27 through 32, that, first of all, he says, don't, we are to permit speaking in tongues, but it has to be done in an order. <clears throat> he says, if, if somebody speaks in a tongue, let there only be two, or at the most, three. 
Uh, I've, I've wrestled with this tongues issue for, for quite a few years, and I think uh, the church is always challenged by this issue. Uh, and I have some, some questions. I've had good friends over the years that uh, tell me that, that I need to speak in tongues. And there were people that have come to us and they said, hey, I think you're spiritually mature enough. You're ready to speak in tongues. Uh, in which I always kind of respond, if, if it's a gift of the Spirit and, and he wants me to have that, then I'm willing, but uh, only on the Spirit's time. Uh, but the one thing we do, knew, do, do know about tongues is that it is a language. It's discernible. It can be translated. Um, if it's an utterance of the Holy Spirit, I think it would be really weird to sit down and order a worship service and say, okay, what are we going to do today? Um, Holy Spirit, we're going to allow you to speak twice, but no more than three times. I think that would be awkward. I think if it's an utterance of the Spirit, then we should just let the Spirit speak as he, as he wills. Uh, but I think it undermines all the other giftings. And I think this was the problem with the Corinthians, is they were putting so much emphasis on this, this speaking in tongues that they were forgetting that all of the gifts are gifts of the Spirit. That, that, the, that the, the prophesying, the teaching, revelation, all these things are, in, are the Spirit working through individual members. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 12, if we go back, 4 through 11, says, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. The Spirit, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one, gives a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts be, of healing by the one Spirit. To another, uh, performing miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the Spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. So we're not to give preference one to the other. We're, we're to recognize that we are all gifted and when we come together. We're to use those gifts for the edification, for the building up of the church, God's people. And so we have to as Paul says previous, as, and Jonathan preached last week, we're to give preference to prophecy, to, to the proclamation of God's word, to preaching. Uh, but even in the preaching, it says two or three pro prophets should speak, and the others evaluate. And so can you imagine if we were to come here on Sunday mornings and we say we're going to have uh, two, maybe three preachers come up and preach? That would make for a long Sunday morning. And so I think you're probably grateful that, that we only have one round uh, because one, it would be, it'd be a lot to receive. But I think in that, we as a church have structured it to where this isn't the only opportunity you have to engage in God's word. But it does say there should be a limitation on that. I, I know as a Bible church, we put heavy emphasis on, on studying the scripture, uh, but sometimes we go too far. We take in so much that we can't, we can't digest it all. We go to a, a Tuesday morning Bible study and then Wednesday night men's group and uh, we go to a, a group on Thursday and then Sunday morning we have a group. And I, you know, I've talked to people 
that when you're going through, hey, could we do this? I, I lead a grow group on Sunday mornings, and we're going to go through a lesson, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I've got, I've got to do this for this class, and I've got to do this for this Bible study, and then I've got a women's group, and I've got, and it's like, it's just too much. I can't intake it all. So we have to be mindful that we do have limitations on how much of the word we can intake so that we can focus on it and, and digest it and then apply it. But then beyond that, it says in this passage that we are to evaluate, evaluate. And the Greek word for that really basically means you are to, you are to doubt, you are to judge, you are to discern. And so just because I say something up here or a preacher or a Bible teacher says it doesn't mean that you just take it and receive it as truth. It means you take kind of a Berean approach to the scriptures. You have to go back and say, does the, does the Lord say this? Does the word back this up? And it doesn't mean when you hear something you don't like, you just go find a passage that says, well, see, it says right here. The scriptures, you have to be led by the Spirit to allow the Spirit to convict you, right? To, to correct you, to change you, to rebuke you when needed. Uh, and we all present ourselves to God for that to happen. But we are to evaluate everything that is said to make sure that it aligns with God's Word. That, that's an important part, important aspect of all that we do. And so many years ago, we, we were also involved in ministry in, in Africa, <clears throat> and it's amazing uh, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And many times you, you get new movements, and, and Paul is working with new churches here, and he's bringing correction to them. Uh, you, find, you tend to find abuses, and, and it happens pretty quickly. In the church planning world, we always talk about this idea of uh, teachers want to prevent heresy when we, when we think about church planning. Uh, the problem is, is you can never prevent heresy. The Apostle Paul didn't prevent heresy, uh, but he recognized that heresy was going to arise. So the only thing you do is you can't prevent heresy, but you have to deal with it when it arises, right? You have to deal with it. And so working in Africa, we would see churches that they would give preference to singing and dancing, and man, it was powerful. It was so awesome to be a part of those services because just, it's just alive, but they gave very little preference to the proclamation of the word, to teaching, to equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And so we always had to come back and correct, like, we love your worship. It is so powerful. But you have to give preference to the word. You have to make sure that you're feeding your people with the word. And so Paul is doing the same things to the Corinthians here. Nothing should be done that is shameful. As in all the church of the saints, the women should be silent in the church. They are not permitted to speak, but are to submit themselves, as the law also says. If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands. So it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God orig originate from you? Or did it come from you only? So this is, a, this is one of those passages that you would just assume skip over um, and just say, you know, who, who knows what that means and we can disagree about this. 
Uh, but we can't, we can't do that. We can't ignore that. Um, so here's what I wouldn't say about that passage. What this passage is really saying is it's not so much saying women should shut up. It's saying that men should step up. I would, I would never say that. I would never say that. One, it, it sounds really stupid, and it's kind of cliche. It's one reason I would never say that. Two, uh, it ignores what this passage is, is telling us. And three, I think, it, I think it would do an injustice to the intelligence of women. That's why I would never say that statement. Uh, but unfortunately, you hear things like that, and we just kind of deflect. We take something that's really difficult and challenging, and we just try to deflect to something else. Uh, and we can't do that with this passage. So we have, to, we have to take a look at it. Some people would argue in this passage that he's speaking only to, to wives who are married. Uh, the Greek word for woman can go either way, um, but it does give context in saying women should go ask their husbands if they need to teach. But there certainly are other passages that address this issue, and it's, it's a challenge for the church. But I think the challenging part goes back to uh, identity. It goes back to how God has ordered things. And, and sometimes we're all challenged by the way God orders things, and that's okay. But we have to trust that God has ordered things in such a way uh, that it will be done for, for his kingdom and for his glory, that his will would be done. Uh, and so in this passage, I think it goes back to an, an identity issue. Um, I saw a, an, an article, and, and you probably heard this, this conversation. In the Corinthians church, we've talked about the issue of uh, sexual identities and, and misapplying gender roles and, and things like this. Uh, and I saw a passage, uh, an article in USA Today, and it was referring to birthing people. Birthing people. And in this article, it says, transgender, non-binary parents give birth to. They gave birth and loved their children. And they want to remind you, not all pregnant people are women. Not all pregnant people are women. See, now I think that statement is disrespectful to women. Because it's obvious that biologically only women can give birth. And, and so it's an identity issue that we have to deal with. I don't think men think, well, that's not fair that only women can give birth. I think we're actually kind of grateful. <laughs> but the fact that women bear this burden, we also don't neglect that. And we, we respect women because we recognize that this is a role that God has given women. And, and it's a great privilege, a great privilege that comes with a lot of pain and suffering and uh, joy and happiness and all the, it's, it's a kind of a mixed bag. But there's no confusion that that's the role of a woman. And that's how God ordered it. And, and so I think this passage is, is really no different. It, it, it's not saying that women are less. It's not saying that women are incapable. In fact, it says this idea of submission, submitting to your husband. Submission is not weakness. Submission is strength. Submission is strength, and Jesus ultimately dis displays this power of submitting 
even to the point of death on the cross. God incarnate was humiliated, mocked, scorned, and hung on a tree that we might have salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection. There is, it is not weakness to submit, it is strength. Jesus says somebody slaps you on one cheek, you are to turn your other cheek to them also, right? That is not weakness, that is strength. It takes strength to submit. And so God is asking you women to submit to this. Now certainly, men, you have a role to play in this. God has ordered the family in which men should lead. Spiritually, biblically, they are to lead. And sometimes we fall short of that. And we have to accept that and, and, and recognize that we need to be leading in our homes. And I've talked to many women over the years who have said, I wish my husband would lead. But he won't. So we have a responsibility, men, as, as well on this. But this passage is specifically speaking to the role of women. So we have to make sure that we're paying attention to this. Now back to the Corinthians church, though. The, the end of this passage says that he's, he's challenging them about the, the word. Did the word come to you only? So they're, they're taking their traditions, they're, they're taking all of this and they're formatting it, and they're basically saying, hey, we can do, we can do whatever we want to do. Um, and he's saying, did the word originate with you? Or did the word of God originate from you? Or did it come to you only? And Paul's saying, no, it didn't. It did not. So you can't, you can't just ignore these things and move on. We have to pay attention to them and make sure that we do things in order. We're submitting, again, to God's will. All of us are called to submit to God's order that he's given us for the church, that we're submitting to one another, that we're doing everything for edification, that we're limiting our speech, making sure that, that, that what we're doing is building the church up, each individual part as we come together. And we have to make sure that nothing we do is shameful. So he kind of, he kind of ends this, and he, and he kind of gives them a, a reminder that if anybody is a prophet or spiritual, he should recognize that what is written is from the Lord, is the Lord's command. If anyone ignores this, he will be ignored. So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything is to be done decent and in order. God is a God of order, and it's to be done decently. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and each individual members of it. And there's kind of a, a parallel passage to this in Ephesians, and this is probably one of my favorite verses in, in the Scriptures. And it says, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measuring by Christ's fullness. 
Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. For him the whole body, fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. And so each individual part, we are each members of the body of Christ. And we cannot fulfill God's mission except for we come together because each of us are gifted in different ways. And so I think it's important to reflect that when we do things decently and in order, that it's meant for all of us to come together to make that happen. It takes each of our giftings serving within the context of the local church. We as a church are to equip you, the saints, for the work of ministry. And I think the larger vision is, is why do we do everything decent and in order? It's because God has a mission for his church. His mission, his goal, is that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus Christ established his church, and he said the gates of Hades would not prevail against it because God is a God of mission. He's a God who has a plan for the world, and that is to fill it with his glory. And how is he going to do that? He's going to do it through us together. Now, I'm, the, I'm the go pastor, so sometimes you can just say, go pastor, you go and do it. Um, that's not the design of the church. The, the design of the church is that we would go in life-changing mission, right? That as we gather, we would gather in life-changing worship, that we would grow in life-changing truth, and then we would go in life-changing mission. And so we've structured the church to make sure that there's balance in all three of these, to making sure we're not putting focus just on one. Well, I'm, I'm part of the worship. I don't have to, to grow or go. Yeah, you do. Well, I'm, I'm really focused on, I'm a Bible teacher, and I, I just want to see growth and equipping. You've got to worship and you've got to go. You can't just go. I, I've, I have some missionary friends that really struggle with being a part of a local church because I'm out sharing the gospel. Do I, do I really need to be a part of a body? You, you do. It's God's design. And so ultimately, again, God is calling us to submit to his perfect will. And that takes strength. It takes recognition that we need to do this because his ultimate goal is to glorify himself, to point the world to Jesus, recognizing that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. And when we come to him, we come to him together as a community of saints one day we will stand before him together. And he will receive all the honor, all the praise, all the glory, because he is the one that paid the price to make it happen. He's the one who came. Jesus came. He died. He rose again. That we may have life through faith in him. And in heaven, we will gather and we will worship for eternity. What a blessing. So one of the things that 
that God has called us to in terms of order. He says, make sure when you gather together, you remember the sacrifice that was paid, that you remember the death, that you remember the burial and the resurrection. And we do this through the celebration of the Lord's table. And so we will do that now. Um, So if you have your have your cups. So one of the things that Paul warns us in in Corinthians, he says, make sure when you, when you take, when you remember the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, when you partake of, of the bread and of the cup, that you do it in a right manner. And he says, first, evaluate yourself. First, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you can partake of this. Uh, But you do need to evaluate yourself. So we're going to take a time, uh, just a a few seconds of prayer, just to uh, ask God to forgive you of of any sins, to make sure you're right before him. Uh, And when you do that, we'll come back and we'll take the bread together. Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks and praise that we can remember the sacrifice that was paid this morning. As our desire is to worship you, we pray that we would do it in a right manner, that you would forgive us of our sins, our trespasses, and that you would renew us this morning. We recognize the body that was broken for us, the blood that was shed, that through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been made new. We have been adopted into your kingdom desire to do everything according to your perfect will. So may you bless us this morning as we partake of the bread and of the cup. In Jesus' name, amen. So on the night before Jesus was crucified, he took the bread. He said, break, eat, in remembrance of me. Likewise, took the cup, and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Take, drink, in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you again and praise you for your body, for your blood that was shed. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us this morning to worship you in truth and in spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Close our service this morning singing hallelujah, holy, holy, God almighty, the great I am. I invite you, if you would, to stand with us as we sing.
Father God, we thank you and give you praise for this day and for this opportunity we've had to worship you. As we go, we pray that we would recognize the identities that you've given us as your sons and daughters and that we would fulfill the mission you've given your church. As we come together, may we each work together for the fulfillment of your kingdom vision to fill this earth with your glory. We go in the name of Jesus. Amen.